0: Welcome to episode 63 of Controller Controllables. Today we have Heather Watson. Now I have to admit I've been chasing Heather a little bit for two or three months. Uh, she's been extremely busy with Battle of Brits, US Open, getting back into tournament play, and it's very kind of her to, to come on to the show. She doesn't disappoint. She really gets stuck in into her story. Talks about the benefits of of leaving the country early to go and train and pursue her dreams. Just for anyone that's thinking about moving out to Spain to Soto Tennis Academy, then uh, Heather Watson certainly is a good advocate of of doing such a thing. Then we get into her story, into her tennis. Has she had a successful tennis career any of you that listened to Valerie Condos fields in the last episode, it really brings up that discussion live with an athlete. Uh, we go into lots of different subjects. Heather, as always, great fun, big smiles, lots of laughs, and I'm sure you're going to love it. So now I'm going to pass you over to Heather Watson. So, Heather Watson, a massive welcome to Control the Controllables. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan.
0: It's, it's a big privilege for us to have you, Heather, and I know, especially on a travel day to, to the French Open, um, I'll get into that in a minute, Heather, but just for the listeners, Heather Watson, who I'm sure lots of you know, she's the current number 56 in the world, WTA, She's been as high as 38 in the world singles and 39 in the world doubles. She was the US Open junior champion back in 2009. The Wimbledon mixed doubles champion in 2016. She has four WTA singles titles to her name. And she possibly has the biggest and most contagious smile in the game. You know? <laughs> and there I can, we can see that smile already. Uh, so how, how's things, Heather? How are you doing?
1: Things are good, it's a bit of an, an odd year, um, so yeah, I'm happy in life, everything's going well and just trying to adapt to the new tennis environment.
0: Yeah, and it's all, obviously you've come from the US, I guess, back to the UK then on to Paris today, so tell us, what, what are the protocols in Paris, does it seem quite similar to the US Open, how's it been so far? Uh
1: I would say, so far it's a bit more relaxed than the u s open um, I, it just feels it just feels that way, but to be honest, I don't really know I've only been here an hour or so yeah um, but yeah, apart from that, um, I've got really nice hotel rooms, so quarantine here is i think a lot easier than than it was at u s open
0: great right. so you' qu- quarantine for twenty four hours hopefully get a negative test result, and then and then they chuck you into the bubble. I guess is that how it works?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it works. So this time tomorrow, hopefully, I will be, I will have a negative test and practice in the evening. But until then, I've just got to stay in my hotel room.
0: It's, uh, it's when you when you're married with three kids, Heather, <coughs> getting, a, <laughs> getting a nice hotel room to yourself for <laughs> for twenty four hours sounds like luxury so you <laughs> you enjoy it enjoy the room service you know it'll be a, it'll be a part of your life at some point that you'll be looking back going I wish I could be in that hotel room for the next couple of days yeah and, and in terms in terms of I also think it's fascinating and it'll be interesting that I'm sure for the listeners as well to so quickly move from the hard courts to the clay courts which is a bit unusual, really. How, how have you found that transition over the last week or two and what are the big things that you've had to focus on with that?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I've actually felt like I've had my best transition to clay. I, I didn't actually really enjoy the courts at US Open this year. They just felt so bouncy and quick and I didn't feel like I timed the ball well there at all and just didn't play well. I didn't feel comfortable. Um, so then, as soon as I went to Istanbul, which was the second week of US Open, the I just loved it. I love the courts, but the thing was, I was just not feeling great. I um, I had to withdraw from my match because I was really run down. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was. Maybe just the environment of US Open I didn't deal with well, but I um, I struggled there and had to withdraw early from my match because I was getting dizzy and and feeling like I was going to cramp but um yeah I'm I'm enjoying the clay I've I've, I do like clay it's not my first choice but I I enjoy it
0: what's the for those listening I guess who maybe some people have got extensive tennis knowledge and maybe some people haven't what are the biggest challenges and changes when you make that when you make that transition
1: Um, Well movement's such a big part of my game so if I don't feel comfortable on a certain clay surface because they differ and some are slippier than others then I literally don't have a a tennis game and I can't play well um, because I can't move so it's really important that it's, it's good clay I mean Roland Garros is the best clay in the world so um yeah it's just getting used to sliding to the ball rather than having your feet firmly planted in the ground um and just yeah just just knowing you're gonna slip and trip a little bit
0: and any body any body parts that get a little bit sore when you when you're playing on the clay courts
1: um i feel like clay court is more of a full body surface so you're just using everything it's a lot more physical than the other surfaces um, particularly compared to grass where uh, I I feel like I get very sore when I I move on to grass especially my legs and my glutes um, because you have to stay so low Uh, but on the clay I just feel like it's it's just very physical and full body
0: well, we're looking forward to seeing you compete next week heather but the one of the questions and i think I, I mentioned it to you before we went online how does how does a girl from guernsey become a top 40 player in the world tell us about that story
1: oh well i had such a great childhood i'm so lucky to have the parents i do and they just got me involved in everything at such a young age I did dancing swimming tennis squash anything you can think of I did it and I um I loved all of them and to be honest I was pretty pretty good at most of them
0: oh.
1: um <laughs> not I'm not bragging I just no, not I we didn't athletic.
0: we didn't think that at all Heather I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about <laughs>
1: Um, and so I ended up being the best at um, tennis and swimming. They were my top two of the activities that I did. Um, and around 11 years old, my dad um, sat me down one day and asked me, would I like to you know, do one of these as a job when I'm older or maybe try and pursue them yeah. um, and go to a different school? Um, off island somewhere in England or Spain or America and I was only 11 years old having this chat but I remember I can still remember it so clearly now and um, I just was so excited I was like yes I'd love to well tennis is my favorite and he was like well that's good because that's probably the one you can have the best career in Um, and he said would you be open to looking at schools um, and I I just absolutely just it sounded so exciting to me so we just ended up looking at schools and then my parents um, sent me to Florida at 12 years old um, and I went to boarding school there and did tennis and I absolutely loved it I picked school they took me around to see you know even ones in England like Millfield, Bath and Loughborough Um but the one in Florida was just, it was just very easy. And that's the one I wanted to go to. So I, um, I went there at 12 years old, and it's very full on. You play three, four hours a day um, in the morning, and then you've got school in the afternoon. And I think that being out there really helped me grow as a person, as a tennis player. And I think being there is what's, what's made me the player I am today.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very early move and it's a, it's a very brave move of your parents to sit you down and have that conversation at that age as well, you know, cause I guess, I guess if you'd gone any longer, maybe in Guernsey, you'd got the 14, 15, 16, maybe it would have been too late.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well my dad is very switched on, very organized. He's an accountant by trade. So he knows he he and he's a planner as well. So he knows um he knows what to do and, and where to look and all of that. So I'm I'm very grateful for him and my mum's such a such a good tennis parent. She's so supportive. She knows everything about tennis she's she's actually obsessed with it <laughs> yeah. uh, but it works out and and i've got two very different parents but it's just what i needed to
0: be successful in tennis and how do you think they i guess would to jump into the tennis parents thing because it is such a massive topic have they always been like that is that something that they've learned is that something that they've educated themselves on how how have they turned out to be such good tennis parents? Uh
1: well they've been good in, in different stages. Like my yeah. dad was good in giving me the opportunities in in like giving me such independence at such a young age. Yeah. Um that was what he did so well. And my mum has been so good at supporting me through my career. You know, I can talk tactics with her about opponents, um, make make plans about schedule she has all that knowledge but neither of them could have done what the other one did Um, and actually I would say it's both of their weaknesses so um, so yeah it's I'm very fortunate to have them
0: and if you were to give advice I guess to young British players would you would you encourage them to move abroad at a young age
1: I personally would absolutely encourage them to move abroad um you know what everybody's different every everybody has a different journey so I wouldn't necessarily recommend it at a young age like me um but whatever suited them if tennis is what they wanted to pursue I would yeah like 100% recommend them moving away firstly because just the weather is is such a important factor in tennis and and England doesn't have that weather so I would move somewhere where there's sunshine so you can play outside it creates a better environment it's more fun because when you're young it shouldn't be serious it should be fun and you should have a love for the sport because if you don't you're never going to make it anyway
2: yeah
1: um and and also I just think I think there are a lot a lot of countries out there that just have great tennis facilities, sporting environments um, for example, where I was in Florida, I was surrounded by athletes and of all different sports, and the weather was great and 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 Florida is one of the most popular places for professional tennis players to live. I think the majority of of the top tennis players in the world all live in Florida
0: yeah and you still spend some quite a bit of time out there huh?
1: yeah absolutely every time I get a chance I will be out there um my only real reasons for being home in in the UK is to see my friends and family but apart from that if they weren't there I don't think I'd spend so much time there
0: and what about some of the challenges? I guess leaving at age twelve, and, and I guess it's one thing to be in Spain or one thing to be over the island, over in, in the in in England, but it's another thing, I guess, to have a long haul flight to the states. Uh, what what were the challenges for you as a twelve year old being so far away?
1: Honestly, like hand on my heart, I didn't have one challenge. I wow. absolutely loved it. I. I didn't fear being away, far away from home. I didn't fear like missing home, my friends, family, parents. It was just pure excitement. And um, my parents would even worry because I wouldn't call them for weeks because I'd forget I'd be so busy having such a good time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I loved it. I, I learned I, my roommates from the first year that I went to school there at twelve three of them are still my best friends today um yeah I just learned I learned life over there I all the big milestones that happen as a teenager and um that all happened for me out there and I loved it I, I don't ever remember being sad upset or down
0: and that's also credit to your parents as well because I do, I do think there's there's quite a few players that they go they travel they go away they maybe move away from home And actually some of the stresses on the player is is the parents maybe subconsciously urging them back or because they're missing the child so much, they almost bring an extra stress. So for you to have such a kind of carefree attitude like that, that must have come from your parents as well.
1: Absolutely. They're so relaxed. Um, Even now, um, they'll only contact me if it's something important because they say that, I'm the one that's busy so I'll just contact them when I want and yeah we're just we're just a really relaxed family about everything
0: that's great and and so you've gone on you've obviously we're going to get into your professional tennis career but I guess I don't want to just completely skim over your junior career because you had a great junior career as well what is some of your best experiences that you remember as a junior playing tennis
1: um, well, my first one would be winning the junior US Open. Yeah. Um, I th- that was in, I can't remember. Uh, 2009. 2009. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't really expect to win it that year. I just sort of went into the tournament, took it match by match. And before you knew it, I was in the semifinals and I was like, okay, I can win this now. Um. And. Yeah, that was such a good moment for me. And I actually think that was the last tournament of my junior career before I moved on to the pros and I signed with um, IMG management. Um, And also, I would say a highlight for me, which I've never forgotten, is I got to the final of, I think it was a grade A in Yucatan, Mexico. Yeah. And I was, about, I was playing a night match and I had no one to warm me up. So my mum needed to hit with me to
0: warm me up.
1: <laughs> and I mean, my mum can get the ball over the net, but she's like nothing crazy. And then I played like the best match of my life up until that point yeah. and won the final. So that was, that was a special one too.
0: How much do you love Mexico?
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> I <laughs> love Mexico. I think. I think it's because the the tennis culture and the fans over there just love their tennis so much. Yeah. And it brings out the best in me because I love playing in front of a big lively crowd. Yeah. Um okay. al- also when I was younger, we used to me and my family used to go on holiday to Mexico every year for Christmas. So I did that for about six years in a row. So I, I really love Mexico.
0: Well, having followed you from from afar a little bit ever over the last few years, I would I know that you've had a lot of success in Mexico. I would suggest that any time there's any tournament in Mexico, you are the first person to enter it every single time. Because that's you know
1: I'll take that (laughs) advice. I'm going to do it.
0: (laughs) And actually, I've got a memory. I'm sure of watching on telly. And night, because it always, we've actually got a Mexican player at the Academy who, she actually played the WTA in Monterrey, the qualifying there last year, and she always talks about what an amazing event it is, and again, how passionate people are, and and the night matches, and I have a memory, I'm sure it was you playing in Mexico, where your mum was the only person there in your box as well. Was that when you won one of the WTA events, or am I making it up?
1: That would have been when I won Monterey. She was—I um, was only there with her. And actually, w- when sure. I won that title, uh, it was Mother's Day that day. That's so that right.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the memory that I have. So you and you—you you have to take your mum to Mexico every year, and that's where you're going to keep this career going for for a lot longer. And in, yeah. in, ter- in terms of winning the U.S. Open and then signing for ING, did did anything change? You've already used the, the word. Actually, used the word when you were in the semifinals of the Junior US Open. That word, expectation, which can be quite a heavy, quite a heavy word for tennis players. Did did that bring an expectation as you started to transition into the pro tour?
1: Um, at a young age, I um so so after US Open around seventeen, when I was making that transition to the senior tour. I just put loads of pressure on myself. It actually wasn't external, because um, I didn't have much hope on me, because because countries always have their favorites. Sports always have their favorites who they think's gonna do well, and I wasn't that person. I never really was. Um, I was always like top of the age groups and that, but I, I, I never felt like the media ever thought that i was going to be a professional tennis player so at that age it was i just put heaps of pressure on myself because i was a perfectionist i was super competitive loved winning um so that's about the only expectations i had i wanted to make my parents proud i still do now that's one of my big um motivations um, so that's I would say that's the only expectations I would have had then
0: and I think again I want to pick up on both of those points but the the parents proud I mean I was far from anything like you you've had in terms of a tennis career but I was fortunate enough to play at Wimbledon and I often tell that story of you know, we played the Bryan brothers in the second round and there was probably two and a half thousand people watching but I only cared about two people there was only two yeah. people in that crowd, and 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 that wasn't anything that they externally were putting on me. It was just that real strong feeling of wanting to make your parents proud. And I think it's it's such an important message for parents to understand that already, just through <laughs> through the fact that default of you being the parent of the child, you are already putting a pressure on them because they want to make you proud. So if you then start adding other pressures and demands and expectations and whatever whatever else it might be, it really does become too much for the player to handle. And I think as as parents, we need to remember that, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, my parents are amazing, but of course they have their moments and they want to get the best out of me. And sometimes it's too much, so... Yeah, it's just trying to get that balance right and, and realising that it already hurts enough if we're not succeeding. Yeah. So if there's more, more pressure on top of that, then it's just it's not going to help anyone.
0: And would you have any advice for tennis parents listening?
1: Um, yes, I would say that it's, it's at the end of the day, it's your child's life and they're gonna they should be able to make the choices they want to make whether you agree with them or not and just support them through it
0: very good very good
1: hopefully they're good choices
0: but (laughs) if they're not yeah. yeah well sometimes I think everyone everyone's got to make choices in life haven't they and sometimes the consequences are enough to to make them learn their lesson for next time anyway you know exactly. and, <clears throat> so you then went on professional career I, I want to get into whether you've had a successful career or not in your mind in a minute but in my head, you have, absolutely. But I think it's an interesting question. It's an interesting topic as you're still live on the tour. But obviously, you, you, won, you won your first WTA tournament in Japan 2012. You've won four WTA titles. You've had these amazing matches. The match with Serena Williams at Wimbledon, which I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on.
2: Um, yeah, that match at Wimbledon was, to this day, probably the most exciting match I've played. of just I was such an underdog that I don't think like anyone thought I really had a chance. And then when I was there, serving for it, two points away from winning, um, just I think everyone just went wild, and it was such a high-quality, entertaining match and the drama of it. You can only get that in sport, and um, it was a a great day. I just wish I could have come out the other end of it.
0: You did you believe that you could win when you were two points away? In your absolute heart of hearts, did you believe that you could win that tennis match?
2: Yeah, absolutely. When I walked out on the court, initially I just wanted to get a game
0: because
2: I'd never played Serena. I'd watched her growing up; she was my idol. I, her and Venus were. I even watched them at Wimbledon when I was a very young five, six years old. And, you know, playing her on Centre Court at Wimbledon, it couldn't have been more perfect. But I rate her so much that I was so nervous. I just wanted to get on the scoreboard. But then as the match went on, I was like, wow, like I can do this. And at the end yeah. of the day, I, you have to remind yourself, everybody's human. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, at the end, that's the problem. I got nervous.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Did you catch yourself sometimes looking up and going, oh my God, it's Serena. And like coming, almost coming out of that bubble or, or do you find in a match like that, that you're so in your focus that you're able to stay in that present moment?
2: no I actually once we got on court and started the match I didn't even know who I was playing I just knew that I wanted to win this match and and do it for me do it for my family do it for the crowd that were all supporting me that day um so no I didn't even I I totally forgot who I was playing
0: two points from two points from victory you said you got nervous do you remember what you were thinking at that time did you start thinking about winning the match
2: uh, yeah, I said, don't miss the ball uh, with a few with a few swear words in there. Um, yeah, I just got a bit a bit tentative. Um, it wasn't my usual game plan because I didn't want to try and play Serena at her own game because she's the best in the world at it, so I had to adapt my tennis so um, in, that mo- in those sorts of moments when I'm playing a completely different game style it was it was tough to to stick to it you know because you want to go back to your your old ways and what you're comfortable with
0: so if i put you in that position heather tomorrow you're two points where you're serving for the match against serena williams on center court what would you do different
2: i'd go big and yeah. i'd maybe tuck in a drop shot
0: good hopefully hey we could be in that position next summer uh, so, oh, I re- so you know, if we, if you are in that position next summer, I'm going to cut that little part of this podcast out. I'm going to make a little inspirational video before the match, and I'm going to send it to you and say, "Right, oh, if you- <laughs> that would be
2: so good. I love an inspirational video."
0: <laughs> if you are in that position, this is this is what you're going to do. So that that's the good stuff. There's a lot of you know, a lot of great experiences. Again, for those listening, Heather Watson, thirty-eight in the world at your highest, currently fifty-six. You've played, you've won three hundred and fifteen matches as a player. You old fart, you've been around a while now, but you've lost you've lost two hundred and forty-nine. You know, the, the, I guess the reality of our sport is, on a micro level, we lose lots of points, but we also lose lots of matches. We get into slumps unless we're the absolute superstars like. Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams, who are winning every week. How, how have you dealt with the disappointments throughout your career? And, and has that changed as you've as you got older?
2: Um, yeah, it's tough for tennis players because pretty much every week you lose, whether it's in the first round, in the quarterfinals, in the semifinals, there's only one winner out of you know 32, 64, 128 people. Um, and yeah, it, it's tough. Every week you're, you're losing. You're not winning, leaving with the the title or the silverware. And, you know, you've got to stay positive, keep working. You can get in, um, you can have some bad luck with some bad draws and, you know, get on a three, four match losing streak, which is, it could be six to eight weeks before you win another match. And it's, it's not fun at all leaving home making all the sacrifices working hard and not being rewarded for it um and i've i deal with losses now a lot better than i did when i was younger um when i was younger it'd be the end of the world like i would bore my eyes out i'd just feel horrendous i'd be so upset um now i'm much more level-headed i I'm, I'm, I don't get as excited when I win matches either, which is the downside, but I'm just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more level-headed. I don't celebrate too much when I win, but I don't get too down when I lose. And I realise that there's, I have a life outside of tennis and there is more to life than just tennis.
0: And that right there, folks, is is the best bit of advice you're going to receive today. Because I just think, <laughs> I think so many people judge themselves and their own self worth or so many juniors or so many players based on, based on their results. And that's such a, that's such a heavy weight to then take. Was there a defining moment of you coming through that? Or is that something that just gradually you've learned as you've matured and got older?
2: Um, Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely guilty of um, what you just said, um, trying to find my self worth in tennis because it's it is my life. I pour so much into it. It's so important to me, and I want to be um, successful in in what I do. Um, so it's it's it is tough to find that balance sometimes.
0: What was the defining moment on it?
2: Not really. I would say just my experiences um, with age. I've been on the tour a long time now. I've played a lot of matches. I think you can only really get that with, with time and, and not just experiences on court, but off court too, life experiences. I feel like I've just grown as a person.
0: And, and how much of that, as well as linked to your happiness off court? You know, what we see on the television is we see you tennis players, almost like robots walking on the court, yeah. playing a match. How much is linked to how happy you are in, in your life at any given time?
2: It's funny because I was having this conversation with my coach like three days ago right. and I was, I was telling him how important it is for me to be successful in tennis because I love it so much. I sacrifice so much for it. I work so hard at it, pour my heart and soul into it that it has a big part to play in my happiness. And I don't want it to to be all of my happiness, Yes, but it does play a big part
0: yeah it's, it's impossible for it not when you've you've left home you've dedicated so much to it I guess you know and, and you, yeah. you touch there on the coach how important is that role especially in those moments where you know I'm sure you've been in a position like all of us tennis players at some point where you've had a bit of a slump and you've lost some matches and you're starting to really doubt yourself you know how how important is the coach in those moments
2: Yeah for me coaches are just it's so important because tennis is a lonely sport without a coach you're on the road on your own you may have tennis friends but I feel like you can only be friends to a certain extent as ultimately they are your competition Um, so the coach for me is so important to just have your back and and someone you can trust you can talk to and and someone that has really good energy that can, um, build you up, that can give you energy when you're, you know, on those days where you're tired or not feeling it so much because having to, to do a job that requires so much energy and focus is, is impossible to, to be upbeat every single day. Um, so coach for me is, is crucial. And, and the main thing for me is that I, I feel that they genuinely care for my well-being and um, have my best interests at heart.
0: And would you look at those traits more so than maybe technical advice, tactical advice, you know, is that the biggest thing that you're looking for in a coach?
2: At at this stage in my career, yes. Um, It was was one of the most more important things when I was younger as well but I was still developing as a player, finding my identity. So the other things were super important too, but I sort of, I, I know who I am. I know what game I want to play, what I need to do to work on it. So the, the trust, the loyalty, the support, the energy is, uh, is more important to me now.
0: And how do you go about i guess on the on the tour it feels like there's a bit of a merry-go-round i guess if we we look at the the Conta situation this week mm-hmm. you know <laughs> she's finished with a coach and then literally 24 hours later he sat in the box of Osterpenko. you know it seems to happen very fast on the tour how, how do you go about picking the right coach for you and, and then i guess my second part of that question heather is for a coach that's maybe outside, I guess someone like myself maybe would be an example. How would that coach then get into that circle?
2: Yeah, I um I saw that um yesterday, I think it was, and I don't that's, I don't know. I feel having a coach is expensive for a player. So personally, where I've been ranked and 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 my in my career, I wouldn't hire one of those top coaches that that costs thousands and thousands of pounds every week, and you know, we'll, I and we'll jump to the next player. I just feel like there's no loyalties there, and they don't. I, I don't know. I wouldn't feel like they had my best interests at heart. Yeah. It'd just be a job. It feels like and looks like that. It just is just a job. Um. So for me, I I've always had. A coach that I have a really good relationship with, and and isn't necessarily one of those um, known top coaches.
0: Yeah, and 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 I, and I and I think probably maybe more people more people should go that route as well. Really, Heather, I've got a last couple of questions. It's been again. I I have to say it again. You. I massively appreciate you coming on. I know it's not an easy thing to do, especially you're traveling. you're in the you're in the middle of a you know tournament season. We're in the middle of a pandemic and all these things. So to come on is massive. But if I can squeeze five more minutes out of you, there's, there's, <laughs> <No working. laughs> there's one. There's a subject that it's a it's a big passion of mine actually. This subject and it's how how I I believe that we actually. How we reframe what success looks like, you know. I think I think one thing in tennis is the, the almost the only success measure is winning, and and I think that kind of filters from an early age. And I think it's what actually mm-hmm. causes a lot of the the craziness in our sport from coaches, from parents, from mental health issues that people have within our sport, which I think is very prevalent. How how do you judge? success of your career
2: yeah it's really tough and you said it before that you weren't sure if i would see my career as successful and it's funny because um because we all measure it differently and what's important is how you measure it yourself and for me um success in in tennis for me would be being financially independent, it would be, um, it would be top hundred in the world, at least, um, and 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 being at that level for at least four or five years. Um, so that's what I really measure it by. I would, in my opinion. Um, like I said and do I see myself as um, having a successful career I'm really hard on myself and I would say if I'm just judging myself off myself I would say I can do a lot more I'm definitely not done yet you know i I really want to get higher than I've been because it's just not enough for me right now. I really want a few more titles. I really want to go deeper in a slam, um, particularly to make second week of a grand slam. Um, then I, I feel like I can call myself successful. I would love to be top 20.
0: Yeah.
2: And, then, and then from there, who knows? Um, but then I'm, I'm harsh. I'm hard on myself and I don't think, you know i think i've had a good career but then i look at people around me and if i compare myself to um to what people have achieved at at my age you know when i was 19 and i got top 100 for the first time and then i won my first wta title and i look back at all the things i've done winning a mixed double title at, at wimbledon and let's say we're just looking at britain here then yes i've i've been very successful in tennis but I never really look at Britain as a as a benchmark because we're not we're not honestly not that great in tennis yeah um well, so, so I compare myself to the world rather than just Britain
0: yeah no, no it's a really good honest answer have and I think you'll certainly I guess there's going to be a time when you can reflect and Put your slippers on and put your feet up over a hot fire over Christmas time when you're, when you're much older and probably look back and have a, have a different reflection. But I think, I think the bit for me is the question that comes into my head, not specifically to you, but to, to what I would say the typical tennis player, tennis parent, possibly tennis coach thinks <clears throat> at the expense of what? So, you know, and that, that for me is something that I I'd love. I'm very passionate about changing or, or playing a role in changing within our sport that actually all of those things are outcome that you've mentioned. They're all outcome. Yeah. And, 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 and it's like, if everyone's, everyone is striving, it's such a, it's such an intense world, the tennis world. And it's like, everyone's striving for this number, for this, but, but I just see so much of of damage, so much of you know families being broken, you know, my minds been broken. So many of these things in this pursuit of 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 a number at the end. And and I guess what what I'm I suppose for the listeners more than anything, not not I'm certainly not preaching to you Heather, it's it's also what what else are we measuring success on you know how else can we reframe it absolutely and it would for me it would be number one and, and and certainly you know we know each other a little bit I don't know you that well but you certainly come across happy it doesn't mean you are <laughs> there's been many a person that's looked happy that, that isn't happy but happiness all has to be there and as coaches and parents we have to remember that you know their 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 own welfare or they can they honestly look themselves in the mirror and say they're giving their absolute best towards towards it every day you know and and those processes because i just think sometimes those that outcome of just being that being number one being top 20 i see it a bit with serena right now it seems like she's got the world on Mm. her shoulders as she's going towards number 24 and again who am i to say anything to serena williams but i'd love to just go and just massage her shoulders a bit and say hey serena come on let's, (laughs) let's 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 look at this a little bit different maybe let's let's change the mindset slightly and, and, and try and view things a little bit different. But I, I think it's, a, it's probably a podcast in itself. I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject I'm certainly passionate about. But to talk now about the success of player, what is the difference between someone who's 300 in the world and 50 in the world? You know, and you've obviously been through that journey. Is there a big difference on the women's side between those rankings?
2: Um, I think the tennis ability it's it's incredible is very similar with someone ranked you know i i don't know about 300 but definitely around 250 200 to top 50 the tennis ability similar it's just the the belief the confidence and um the focus i would say that differs and and being there every single point and really believing you could win and problem problem solving so i would say the physicality and strokes and technical ability is is just the same i, I wouldn't i don't think there's much difference there at all It's 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 all mental aspects that separate the the top players
0: very good. And those that probably have a, a better perspective have a better chance of, 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 of finding that as well. Um, what's the future for Heather Watson? What can we, what have we got from you the next few years?
2: Oh, the next few years? Yeah, oh, from, well. your,
0: from your playing career, but then, then after your playing career as well.
2: Uh, well, I haven't, I have thought about it. I'm 28 years old now. I actually was already called a veteran at 23, which is mind blowing, but yeah. I have been on the tour a long time and I can be proud to be called a veteran at 23 because I was so so successful or whatever you want to call it at a young age. Um, but I will definitely play for at least three, four, five years. Awesome. Um, not sure yet, not sure where life's going to take me, but I do want to have a family one day and i don't want to be at the later end of 30 i want to be more at the earlier end of 30 um and that's that's also something i want in life um so it's you know it's hard for harder for a woman because you have to stop and be pregnant and have a child and all of that so i've thought about it and yeah but right now i i'm my total undivided attention is towards my career and and just continuing to enjoy it actually it's funny I spoke about all those numbers before but now you ask me um about the future I just want to stay healthy and and enjoy it and and obviously keep on making a living out of tennis as long as
0: I can I have. There's a few of them on the tour. They've got babies nowadays, eh?
2: Oh, when I have a baby, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not coming back. <laughs> um,
0: you're not inspired by Serena as a ranker. There's been a few of them recently, hasn't there?
2: Yeah, but I can't, like, <laughs> they can afford to have a nanny and a cook and a That's whatever.
0: That's true. You need to get yourself a good husband that can do all of that. That's the, you know, that's the secret. You know, you can play the the nanny role and do (laughs) do it all. Um, A quick fire round to finish, Heather. Nothing too tricky. Yeah. Favourite Grand Slam?
2: Oh, this is actually tough because I enjoy Australia the most.
0: Everyone loves Australia. Everyone says Australia. They love it. Yeah.
2: But obviously to win would be Wimbledon. Yeah.
0: Well, you have. You've won the mixed doubles. Yeah, I was
2: going to say that
0: as well. Um, Clay courts or hard courts?
2: Hard courts.
0: Clay courts at French Open or hard courts at US Open?
2: Oh, clay courts at French (laughs) Open.
0: (laughs) I would love to have played on these courts at US Open. Everyone tells me that they were just crazy, crazy lively. Um, Fed Cup or Hopman Cup?
2: Oh, do you know what? I'm actually going to have to say Hotman Cup because the crowds, Fed Cup, there's like barely any crowds apart from this one tie that we had last year
0: or whenever it was. And didn't you play with Andy there as well?
2: I played, yeah, I think I played three times. I played with Andy twice and Evo once.
0: Yeah, so that's also a big sway to, you and Andy did incredibly well there. Uh, Forehand or backhand?
2: Do you know what? Now it's forehand. Early on in my career, it was backhand.
0: Good, I like it. Keep, keep all of the people that you might be playing the next few weeks guessing. I'm sure they're all <laughs> tuning in to control the controllables. So. <laughs> if you play Vika Azarenka first round, Vika, keep it away from a forehand. Inj- injury timeout or not? No. Good. Not. I like it. You're one of the first players that said not. It's amazing how many players back back that but anyone outside we've had coaches we've had we've had journalists we've had all sorts of people and everyone says no but most of the players back it so i'm pleased you because i'm I'm sick of people using it for the wrong reasons Um, yeah a joint wtn atp tour or not
2: yes absolutely joint
0: and remember it's quick fire will it happen in the next two years
2: um, probably not
0: that's, a shame.
2: that's just a total guess. I have no yeah,
0: idea that's tough. um and one rule change that you would have in tennis if you could
2: um it goes back to sort of equal having having um the same tour. I hate that women have on court coaching and men don't i, I yeah. either like want both to have it or neither to have it but not for women I just feel like it looks so weak if we have it and they don't
0: yeah no I agree and if both would you prefer both to have it or both not to have it
2: do you know what both not to have it because tennis is an individual sport you're out there on your own part of tennis is problem solving so I think I would rather
0: we we didn't and what about coaching from the side of the court
2: um yeah that's that's fine
0: it happens huh
2: yeah, and it happens anyway, that's why I said it's fine, because yeah. it does happen.
0: But it, it does happen, but it's, it's actually, it's not easy <laughs> to get the right message to your player. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's like it, you've got more chance of cocking it up, actually. It's quite hard. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's really not easy. Heather Watson, you've been brilliant. Thank you for your time and, and the very, very best of luck at the French Open. And in the next five years of your career, keep kicking ass, keep smiling, and, and all the best.
1: Oh, thanks so
2: much for having me, Dan. I really enjoyed our chat.
0: Massive thank you to Heather Watson and the very best of luck in Paris to you, Heather. I'm sure you've got a a bright end of year ahead and thank you for sharing your thoughts Again, a big thank you to you all for your, for your continued support. There's, there's lots of messages, there's lots of subjects that are really coming out loud and clear. At some point, one of my ideas is to do a little podcast to almost try and bring through all of the learnings of the last 63 episodes and more, uh, because it really has, it's been a, an enriching experience myself to go through this and speak to these fantastic guests and and I'm loving sharing it with you guys as well Uh, let's keep keep sharing spreading the community that's what it is it's it's a tennis community here that we're we're trying to spread the right messages and you play a big part and a big role in that so please do like share rate review Pass it on WhatsApp to some of your friends that you think might like certain episodes and let's keep this community flowing. Anything you need from myself or John, please never hesitate to get in touch. Uh, we are happy to be challenged. We're happy to be um, any anything. Complimented. We also like compliments, so that's uh, we're happy to take that as well. But we're happy to take any challenges, any questions, any suggestions. All of these different things and we're going to keep striving towards bringing you this fantastic content. For now, I'm Dan Kiernan, my co-host is John McGann and we are Control the Controllables.